Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Good morning, Siona. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm great and very excited about talking with you uh, to share some of your insights and stories about what you're doing now and how you got there and give some people that are listening some ideas about how they might be able to start to make some moves in what they're doing in their work life and might be feeling a little bit stuck or nervous about doing it um, because I know that the the little bits that I know about your story so far I think are going to apply to a lot of people who are listening so I can't wait to get into your story. Excellent, nor can I. <laughs> so maybe you could start off by letting us know what is it that you do in your work life now? How do you describe that when people ask you? Um, well, currently I am a senior manager for in quality assurance for a medical device company in Australia. Mm-hmm. So I'm full-time employed and I've been with this company for, oh, it's nearly 16 and a half, nearly 17 years now. Wow, so, with, this, with the same company, so you just sort of gone up the ranks and probably... Yeah, had... well, the company, the company keeps changing around me because... It keeps changing ownership, so they keep taking me with them. So, so while I've had the same job, it doesn't really feel that way. It's like every four years or thereabouts, the company around me changes. So, yeah, but, but a long time uh, in a organisation, let's just say, uh, and, and in, in a, um, a similar role. And but what else do you do outside of work? Outside of work, well, for me, crochet has become a big, big part of my life. Um, I'm also a mother. My children are all now—I can't call them children, I don't think, because they're all adults now. The youngest <laughs> just turned 18 last weekend. So, yeah, and I was a foster parent for a little while as well. So I've always kept a very busy, busy life. Um, but crochet is definitely my newest, and where I'm trying to head my future towards ah so I, I just want to acknowledge that you know you are you do sound like someone who is used to being quite busy and I can imagine that there's going to be people listening who potentially can relate although they might have a slightly different scenario of their or version of their busyness but you do sound like someone that actually enjoys being busy is that a fair assessment very fair and I think it's just I don't know it's just something that just kept happening like I had my children quite young while I was studying and so to survive financially I was studying and holding down a few jobs and (laughs) raising them as babies and it just life just kept sort of happening and you know you take on once I finished studying took on full-time work as well and 
while still keeping one of my past jobs because I didn't want to give it up. (laughs) And, yeah, it's only now that I'm starting to, I think, wish for a quieter life. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, just starting to, while I still am very busy because I am trying to raise, you know, build my business and work full time in quite a reasonably demanding job, it's, yeah, there's that inner desire to just start to slow down for once. Yeah. Yeah. And by the sounds of it, you have earned that. I'd like to think so. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm intrigued by you saying that. So you work this busy full-time job that you've been in for many, many years uh, and you've got a crochet business on the side. So how did that come about? It kind of just came about by accident. I um, I've always been crafty and tried to use it as a, I don't know. There's a creative side of me that I like to feed. I mm-hmm. guess you could say. Mostly it was sewing as I grew up and a little bit of knitting that I learned from my granny and my mum. And just crochet was something that I always wanted to learn, but it always looked really difficult, and I didn't think I could. And then. It was, I don't know, by chance, there was um, a set, as Facebook does, there was um, crochet hooks coming through my news feed and I thought, well, I could purchase them for a time when I might want to learn. <laughs> so I did that and then next thing there's lessons in my news feed. <laughs> and so <laughs> really okay. we have Facebook <laughs> to blame for this. I could just purchase them as you know maybe I'll learn and then it was like well I've got the hooks and I've got the lessons I might as well start and I just haven't looked back and it's kind of it's a craft that's actually stuck with me I found it quite easy to learn and it because I can do it anywhere it just I don't know I just found myself spending all the time doing it and it allowed me I found that I was starting to design my own work and I thought well there's a passive income there if I decide to publish my patterns then you know that's just income that could you know come in without me having to do much to add because I'm doing creating the work anyway so why not you know try and earn a little bit of income from it. So I just can I jump in on that question yeah. because although you'd been crafty I think is what you said which I think is really yep. cute sounding crafty all your life <laughs> um you sort of stumbled into this uh, crocheting as a as a hobby. Was there any part of you that at, thought that oh, this is this is going to be a, a side business, or uh, when you first sort of got into it, or was that completely no. nowhere in your brain? That was nowhere in my brain. It just kind of happened, and I think it was just after that I started doing it that I actually started my MBA Mm -hmm. which I was doing all online and I think that's what started to trigger thoughts of creating it into a business and I was working with a life coach as well there was I don't know there's something from that because I actually did start a different business thinking that would be like using the skills that I currently use in my workplace to try and build a business to give me income outside because I you know in my head I thought that would financially be a better option than my crafty hobby Mm -hmm. Um, so I tried that and then it was with a business mentor one session with that that I 
something he said and I'm just like, yeah, why aren't I using my craft as my hobby and my business? Yeah. So interesting. changed. <laughs> so, yeah, so interesting because, okay, before I go down that path, my brain is like going, okay, which way do I go? You have so many questions. So you're doing the crocheting by accident because Facebook popped up this boom and crochet hook in your feed and you thought, oh, yeah, one day I might want to learn. So that sort of set you off on actually doing the crochet and then you found this this love for it. But then separately yeah. you're doing the MBA and you'd already been starting to look at ideas for side businesses. So was the th- the thinking around that that although you've got this great full-time job right now, was the thinking that one day you might want to do your own thing or were you thinking this is something to supplement my income while I'm keeping working full-time? What was thinking going through your head back then when you first got started? Uh, originally, I think it was more just to supplement income. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know why I thought I needed the extra money. But... You said all this spare time, not. Yeah, just... exactly. <laughs> okay, so it, yeah. you weren't at that stage thinking, oh, you know, this is my exit strategy. I'm going to, you know, create this big business and, and that will be what I do full time. It was sort of more of a side gig or a side hustle kind of approach. Yeah, and I think partly because having worked in the same role for so long, there was just another side of me, the creative side needed more feeding, I think. Yes. And that kind of fed it a little bit, being able to create my own, even in the other business I started, it was still my own ideas and my own choice on what I did and another way, even that one was another way to help people. I think that's been something else that's, sort of driving me as well is the need to help others because even where my crochet is evolving now is more about teaching and helping others develop their skills it's Mm -hmm. not so much about the patterns anymore and I think it's taken a lot of inner work as well to get to that point of understanding myself and where I want to go and I still don't know if I understand myself (laughs) but I've at least got a bit more understanding of where I do want to head to Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah great and there's so much about that that I that I love and I think that your point around being driven to want to help people I actually think is very common and what can happen though is that we all have a different flavor of helping and so it's about doing that inner work to find your flavor and the direction of of how you particularly want to be helping people and that that potentially will also evolve over time which it sounds like it has in your business so I I do want to dive into what your business uh, uh, the crochet business is what it started with and and how it evolved but I'm kind of curious about I I guess that process of self-inquiry it sounds like it was this little um, cocktail of the MBA uh, working with a life coach, looking for something external to feed the creativity, all combining to give you this idea of, of, a, of a side project, a side business. Yep. Is that kind of, you know, what led you to be going down this path or were there any other kind of moments of catalyst that made you think, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this? Um, it kind of was and I think just sort of sparked ideas in the back of my head it's kind of like even the name 
for my business, which is honouring ME Crochet, was just an idea that started to come because it's the ME part of it was my granny's initials. She was Mabel Eileen, though she used oh. Eileen, and that just kept coming into my head. And then I'm like, well, why don't I just start that as a business name? And so it's all kind of little things. I think giving myself the space to think and just let the ideas come. Yeah. It's kind of just all evolved on its own. And I think I never thought a hobby could become an actual business. So I think that held me back a bit as well, thinking, yep. you know, you can't make money from a hobby. But yeah. If you do it right, there's no reason why you can't. And like in my MBA, the entrepreneurship subject was the last one I did and I absolutely loved that subject. Every, like I spent more time reading the stories of other people in that book <laughs> than the actual content that I was supposed to be learning. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just, I don't know, just allowing myself to have that space to think and let the ideas come, it kind of just happened. It feels yeah. like it just happened. Yeah. And that, that point about a hobby and thinking that a hobby can't be a business, I think a lot of people potentially have that assumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for some people it may not be the right direction if they their hobby is I don't know, collecting spoons or whatever. It, That's it, what my granny did. Oh, did she? I must have picked yes. up the vibe. She, she's <laughs> Emmy's around. Wow. Um, so, but it could be that you know they just want that to be a pure hobby, and it's something that they do for joy and in their spare time that they don't want to monetize, um, and they instead look elsewhere. But for others, it can be this beautiful overlay of a true passion that also makes you money as well and I think that there's that that psychological or mindset hurdle that uh, potentially you have to get over first to see that there is a possibility with that direction and even the fact that you mentioned that when you're working with the business mentor and looking at a different business idea that sounds like it was more leveraging similar skills and activities to what your full-time job is and then saying could I do something like this for myself is that kind of yeah. where the thinking was for that one? Yeah, and I think because I was, I don't know, it was almost like came back to finance as well, mm-hmm. thinking I could make more from, you know, consulting and helping others Yeah, with that area of work than with the hobby. But, again, it was just more of what I was doing just differently and the the passion and the love for it wasn't quite there the same as it is with my crochet yeah and look the 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 money question is a really important one because it influences so much of our lives and particularly Mm. when someone's at you know a some professional crossroad if that's what you want to call it and looking at maybe starting a side gig or side business in some way or going out on their own and that there's this question of of money and finances that is very rapidly on the heels of any any idea that you know we have this requirement of considering okay how do I make the same amount of money as I've been earning and if I can't then maybe I shouldn't do anything and or looking at okay how do I make the most money not looking at what do I really want to do and so I think there's so much about that that can be unpacked so before we get to that though the I just want to 
I guess, uh, link back to that question of you you could have created something which is more around that consulting side of thing and in, on surface levels potentially on paper that might have looked like a better way to go but it wasn't clicking or it wasn't working for you and therefore you started to explore the potential of this hobby, this more joy-filled activity that was feeding your creative side and that has ended up being the direction that you've been exploring. And I think that for some people that might be their path. For others they will look more at the consulting and that might work for them. And There's no one right size I don't think that fits all but you ha- that what it does come back to is what you said earlier about being willing to do that inner work, the inner exploration of, well, actually, what do I really care about? What do I enjoy? How can I help people? Or what is a way that I like to help people that I could monetize in some way? And to be willing to come from that place rather than uh, just continuing to chip away with the same old, same old. And the yeah. fact that you said too that you made it important to give yourself some space to let some ideas come up. And that's a really challenging one, especially for high achiever types and who are used to being busy. So tangibly, can you think of anything, because I know it was sort of a little while ago for you, that you, that you did to create some of that space? Um, I think mostly the work I did with my life coach because I was I knew I needed to de-stress. Yeah. And to de-stress I was trying to do everything. <laughs> oh, that sounds <laughs> you know, helpful. All the, all the tips that are suggested and nothing was working. <laughs> yep. I was still stressed. Um, and I think just learning that I didn't have to do everything and cutting out and giving my mornings are probably where I get my most space. And that was one of the biggest things I changed because I always did exercise in the morning, mm-hmm. but allowing myself more of that still time um, just helped me, I don't know, step back and open, open myself up more to things. Because even like every morning now, I still, a habit I've got is I crochet a square a day, mm-hmm. which I actually do that two or three times a day now but but it started off as my morning square and that was my it's like it's almost a meditation I found with meditation I couldn't Mm -hmm. just sit Mm -hmm. and but with the crochet because it's still it's quite a mindful activity especially the projects I take on and it just the ideas and things that come sometimes when I'm just making a square is quite astounding amazing and it's interesting that you say about the 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 morning square and that it is like a meditation because I found myself thinking that that I I wonder whether this is a a a version of a mindfulness practice where you are being fully present with what you're working on and I think that for a lot of people thinking about meditation and there's lots of different flavors of, of meditation for many people again those kind of driven high achieving types the thought of sitting still and trying to make your mind go still is like are you freaking kidding me like that ain't never gonna happen and so but I I think again exploring and finding what's your version or your flavor of something that does create a sense of stillness in your day even if it's only a few minutes a day there's something very powerful I think in that that can allow some of that space even amongst all the busyness so yeah. 
I love the fact that you created that and it's it's gone on to become something uh, as a, a continual practice into the business not just for your own personal well-being uh, as well yeah and yeah. it's something I try to encourage others to do even if it's not a square for them or it's something else it's just a row do you do a row permission to do it <laughs> yes exactly and and making it like important enough to do as well yeah Mm. um so I do want to double back to that topic of money which people Mm. just go oh really do we have to talk about money and it's like yes we do (laughs) uh and it's one of those things that I think as I mentioned is just woven into every part of our lives and it's so influential and it can be a fantastic tool or it can be a really awful prison, I think, depending yeah. on which way you look at it. So for you, what part, if any, did or does finance play in you transitioning uh, from just being full-time employed to having this side business that you're growing how does money come into that for you? It's probably one of the biggest parts for me. I mm-hmm. think over time um, we've accumulated debt, mm-hmm. even though we got out of debt and then accumulated more. And I think it's just something as being part of the busyness you just allow to happen. I think with credit cards, the worst part. Yeah. Um, and keeping old habits. And I know like my daughter is quite skilled with Taekwondo and went to some world events which we needed money for quickly. So, you know, the easy solution was, you know, get a credit card Um, and then you're going with that. And I think as well the more you earn, the way it was for me, the more I earn, the more I spend. And so I'm in this position now where I can't just quit my job because I do have debt I need to remove and I'm working towards that. Yep. And, yes, I think the passive income was just, you know, another way that I could help get rid of the debt. Um, But for now, for me, that is one thing that is holding me back because I do earn a reasonable income in my full-time employment, like a very healthy income. But at the moment it feels like I need all of that money because I've got living and (laughs) debt and things to to, and I I want to get to a point where that isn't something I have to consider so much. Yeah, yeah. And, look, thank you for sharing openly about that because I think a lot of people are potentially going to be in a similar situation where they're either used to earning a certain healthy income and are concerned about how do they replace that if they go out and do their own thing and how long might it take for them to build something up. Uh, and also for a lot of people too, a couple a couple of things that you said, you know, uh, is the habit around uh, credit cards or spending and accumulating debt that for some people, and I'm not sh- saying this is you, but it could be, it might not be, but for some people they are in a, a career or a role they've had for a long time and it's no longer fulfilling them in the same way and unconsciously or sometimes consciously what we can do as human beings and particularly women is to try and self-medicate a little bit about mm. that, that feeling of something not being quite right or not meaningful enough or fulfilling enough by going and buying stuff. And to, to in that moment of purchase, you think, oh, yes, I got a nice little buzz. That feels good. 
Unfortunately, though, it doesn't last that long. Once those endorphins have left the building, the feelings of, you know, lack of fulfillment or frustration are still there, even though you've got those great pair of shoes. And so (laughs) that can actually be a trap as well because we just sort of have this pattern. So, again, being able to step back a little bit and have a look at what's really going on with that to then be able to make some different choices about creating a debt pay down plan. Uh, No matter what your debt is, you can always make the decision to go, okay, I'm going to handbrake that and start to reverse things a little bit. But if you don't ever stop to look at it, that's where you stay in that space of, of denial a little bit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that's most definitely true for me. And I think working with my life coach, that was one thing I was filling a void with spending. So clothes that turned into yarn. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Way too much yarn and project ideas. So purchasing for that. Um, And then resolving that, I found I didn't need to spend so much. I didn't, I don't shop very often at all anymore. And, but there's that debt now that I need to (laughs) remove. Yep. So, and that's something else I took a big step with on New Year's. I listened to the Barefoot Investors, one of his audio books, and some of what he'd been saying I'd already implemented and it was just the next step then, like I put holds on my credit card so I can't actually spend on them Mm -hmm. anymore. Um, And that's, you know, just even knowing I've done that and forcing myself to have to rethink what I'm doing with my money, it's actually a little bit liberating as well because I feel now I've taken control, whereas before I felt my money and my debts and bills were what was controlling me. And it feels a bit more now, only in the last few weeks that I've actually taken that next step to, you know, it's my choice now. Oh, that is so good, so good because uh, there's there's a big part of the work that I do with my clients around money and your relationship and your results with money and one of the sections of the program that I have is, is literally looking at debt. If you have debt, what is it? And, yeah. you know, the small steps that you can just put in place and even decisions that you can make that even though – the debt situation may not have actually changed that much at all but the fact that you have made some different decisions and that you've got a little bit more clarity around what the situation actually is and maybe a small step of either you know as you say putting a hold on a credit card or cancelling a subscription or or whatever small things that you do can help you feel so much more empowered even though on the surface, it doesn't look like much has changed. And so yeah. I guess that's, a, that's a, a huge shout out to you to be sort of really doubling down on, on looking at that and going, this is something that's going to help me increase my sense of choice in my work and my home life. So it's a really powerful thing for you to be working on. So good on you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so I really want to find out about the, uh, the crochet business. We've talked about how you got started in it. But what I'm curious about is how does it actually work? What do you actually sell? Okay. Well, for me, it started off selling patterns. Um, So generally anything that I make, I write the pattern up. If I didn't enjoy making it, then I won't write it. So for the most part, it's selling the patterns. But over the last probably eight months now, I opened a 
membership, which is the Hooked on Crochet Club, and that's where I see my biggest future is with that. And I actually did the tribe course, which helped reinforce ideas that I had because I decided that I was going to open my membership in July last year. Um, and doing that course helped reinforce how I was going to do it. And mm. I'm like, I'm quite pleased with what it's what I'm creating from that because the idea with that now is I provide everyone with two projects plus a square every month and I do live lessons in in the group like we've got a Facebook group for it and it's mostly around teaching but also around creating that daily habit helping people start out in crochet and if they want to become a designer then they can move towards designing as well mm-hmm. um and yeah it's sort of it's growing into that more amazing than anything. and anything. so and I, I i like the fact that you you talked about where things started compared to where they are now because i think that's something that's really important for people, anyone that's listening that's thinking about starting their own thing, is sometimes you'll start in a certain place and it will evolve and things will shift and it may not work out or, or end up being what you thought it was going to be at the beginning, but you've got to get started and then refine from there. And so the the membership model, just so that, again, I can bring some clarity that it's uh, the, the course is called Tribe and it's by um, a great guy called Stu McLaren who I think is kind of regarded as, you know, the world expert on creating and building successful memberships. And so with your membership, is it set up that people pay you a recurring monthly fee in exchange for access to your teaching and support? Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I open the doors a few times a year Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, so they pay a monthly fee until they decide they don't want to. Not many have decided they don't want to, which is encouraging. Great. That means you're delivering um, great value and a great experience. I hope so. Yeah. But, yeah, so every month, the first of the month, and because it's all online, it's open to anybody. Because um, I did try some workshops locally as well, mm-hmm. like once a month. Um, that never really, like I'd only get a couple of people. I loved doing it. And it's that helped me as well decide on what I needed to do with the membership. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the whole idea is the two projects, one is small and one is bigger. So if you are just starting out, it's a good way to learn new stitches, learn new skills. And then if you want to, you can do the bigger project because they use the same stitch design. It's just different and bigger. Um, But because I found a lot of people end up with a lot of, we call them whips, which are works in progress. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is because people – as a crocheter and anyone probably that's creative, you get drawn to so many ideas and what happens is you start them but then you get partway through and you get bored or you're not in, you know, something bright and shiny else comes along. <laughs> yes. And you end up with all this work. And I think part of why people end up with so much is because they like the look of something but they didn't realise that they either didn't have the skills to make it or it wasn't really a design they liked. So by having the smaller project, they get to discover for themselves first if they did like it mm-hmm. before they build to something bigger. Yeah. And then the square, like for me, it's to encourage them to have that daily practice, but it's also a step to designing because there is so much that you can create from a simple crochet square once you start joining them together. So Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And look, just even half of what you've just been talking about just demonstrates how much knowledge you have about crochet and how you can then package that up in a way that adds value to other people that are also passionate about it. And it's a great example of channeling that old chestnut of uh, creating, turning your your passion into profit or into a business uh, and looking at the different ways that you can do that. And even the fact that you experimented with doing uh, in-person workshops uh, and that, that, you know, there were some pros and cons to that, again, is another example of how business and working for yourself is a constant work in progress, I think. Uh, yep. So it's great that you've experimented with some of those things and then you just you keep refining what you're actually, actually wanting to do and what you're wanting to do next to grow into. Um, yep. So what about challenges that you have come across right back when you were, I guess, before Honouring Me had started and since then, what are some of the challenges that you think came up for you or have come up so far? Um, I think some of the challenges is like not selling as many patterns as I want. Yes, okay. That is, isn't that every business person's challenge in the world? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, you put your heart into something and you think everybody else loves it and then they don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it's just it's not giving up on that because I do see others that will give up because I believe in what I'm doing and I just keep continuing. And I think some of the self-doubt myself, like even I've opened, like my first doors open was, you know, an amazing success for, you know, the first time. But then the second time I didn't get as many people join. And while it was kind of deflating and discouraging, instead of letting it get me down, I've taken away some learnings from that instead. So hopefully when the doors open again, it'll be a lot more successful. And if it's not, well, then there's just more learning. So I think it's one of the challenges I think then is accepting that not everything is going to go perfectly as, you know, you think it is and you have high hopes, but (laughs) they can be quite quickly smashed. (laughs) Yeah. But it's not falling into that trap of, oh, I'm, you know, it's not going to work. It's just, you know, letting yourself have that space to think, okay, so how do I make it work? If it's something like I know I can make it work, it's just finding that little secret that's, you know, going to be the right spark. And it is about making the time and effort because I know there's been times where work has taken up more time than I wanted and I couldn't Mm -hmm. dedicate the time I needed to social media or whatever else I need to build the business. So there's some of those frustrations that, you know, work's getting in the way again. Um, so it's finding the balance. How do you manage that? <laughs> um, poorly sometimes, mostly okay. So I, a lot of, like I structured a lot of what I need to do for the crochet outside of my work hours. There are times sometimes where I might, you know, spend half an hour writing up a pattern to save some time during mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, it's okay. So I structure my morning. I get up at five o'clock in the morning to, you know, set my day and then when I finish work so when I go live in the clubhouse it's on a Wednesday around five o'clock because mm-hmm. I know that I'm home by then and I can do it yep um and weekends that's you know a big space especially now that my children are older it is a bit easier for me to find that time on the weekends um because I'm not running them around a the sport they drive themselves there now awesome <laughs> 
which kind of helps a lot. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's a lot of time management and I'm very good at delegating stuff at home. Like I cook once a week so that I, you know, the kids, they're adults, they can cook. Yep. Um, my husband cooks, you know, and it's, you know, they do their own washing. So it's things like that as well that you, you know, you learn to delegate so that you can create more space for what you need to do. Yeah, um, which is, you know, such business skills but just applied in a different way. What would you say to yeah. people who have an idea and they love the idea of it but they're working full time and they're just too tired? They get home and, yeah, they know that they, you know, they could write that blog article or they could start to do a, flesh out a plan of, of, of something that they want to do but they're just too tired and they don't have the, the energy for it. First, they need to stop being tired. <laughs> it, all, it all comes down to time management. Like I'm very systems oriented as well. So it comes down to getting systems in place and a routine more than anything because mm-hmm. um, I found having a more strict routine actually allows more space for creativity and the time and allowing yourself that space like look at what it is that you're doing that you don't have to do that you can give to someone else mm-hmm. um, like for me the cooking and the washing and even online grocery shopping I don't like spending hours walking around a stop shop yes for food yep I'd rather you know take 20 minutes online <laughs> to and it arrives on your in. door <laughs> exactly it's so much easier but there's always, I find there's always something that you can change. You know, get into daily exercise. Make that space for yourself in the morning mm-hmm. and you won't feel as tired. Take that step back to look at what it is because if you are feeling busy or you are tired, then there's something that you're doing that you don't need to do Yep. that you can just cut. And you might need someone to help you see that. I know I did. I used the life coach for on and off for 18 months to help me find my space and cut the crap from my life that I didn't need yeah um, and allow yourself to put yourself first because I think that's a lot of issue that you know I hear from other women I'm quite okay with putting myself first yeah um, but still understanding that there are needs of others that I have to meet but finding that balance and that compromise that allows you to find the space for you yeah, and it's thank you for sharing that because I think for a lot of people they fall into those old habits of oh this is just how life is and I'm just I always feel this way and there is never any time for me or or whatever the different stories might be and I think that it ultimately comes down to getting to a point where you make a decision to prioritize yourself and give yourself that space to let the ideas come because I also think too that if you find something that you genuinely really are curious about and passionate about, then that breeds its own form of energy. And so you can use that to create the space. But when you're Definitely. back to that whole thing of like, oh, I could do this to make some money, that rarely is enough motivation unless there's a bigger pain point around needing the money. Yeah. And it's sometimes so much easier just to stick with the habits that you've got and you know, mm. I could have continued to do my nine to five or whatever hours, eight to four, you know, could have continued with that. But there's there was something more inside that 
just wasn't working for me that I needed to to change something yeah yeah so amazing good on you so what about if people are wanting to find out more about crochet because I would say and it might just be me but crochet is not necessarily uh, a very common hobby these days or is it is this this whole secret underground group that I'm just not aware of See, I thought the same thing and then I got on Instagram and, my goodness, there are so many people out there crocheting. Really? Yes. And it's I think it's bigger in the, like the US and UK, mm-hmm. Europe. There's mm-hmm. a lot more. Like even I purchase a lot of my yarn um, overseas because it's cheaper and there's a lot more variety. Um, I've got a couple of stores that I use locally but – I was actually quite surprised at how because I that was one of the reasons I started was I was worried that the craft was dying. Yes. There was no one there. But once I got onto Instagram, I'm like, oh, hello. This isn't dying anytime soon. <laughs> no. It's <laughs> amazing how many people are out there crocheting. And because one of my pages that I've got is I actually share other people's work. And, you know, I've got over 13,000 followers on that just and that's not even a big page <laughs> so wow yeah wow it's there amazing. is this, it's a whole different it's a cult it's a crochet cult it is <laughs> <laughs> okay so if there's someone who's listening who is a closet crocheter or wants to continue to expand their love of crochet how do they connect with you how do they find out more about you I am all over the internet, so I do have <laughs> – I've always loved the online world. So I, I do have my own website, which you can find as either honouring-me.com or if you search, if you also go to the Hooked On Crochet Club, it comes up. And both those names are on Instagram and Facebook, so Honouring Me Crochet and Hooked On Crochet Club. So I've kind of made the two pages separately partly because the membership is Hooked on Crochet Club and I didn't want that name to be taken. So I kind of claimed the names. It's a great Um, name. But there's also Etsy and Ravelry and Love Crafts. I'm I'm all over. You're everywhere. (laughs) She's all over. If you just search Siona Roberts, I'm the only one. (laughs) That's one of the joys of having an unusual name. It is. It is. So. what about as we start to finish up any final thoughts or tips that you would have for for someone who's listening who perhaps has got an idea for something that they might want to do either as a side gig or to just go out and start their own thing any thoughts from you as someone who's a bit further down that pathway so than they might be at this stage just start (laughs) just start (laughs) You don't know where it's going to lead. And, I mean, my original idea didn't lead where I thought it would and the crochet definitely didn't lead where I thought it would, but it's where my future is going to be. So unless you start, you don't know how it's going to try, how it's going to go. So Mm -hmm. just go with it. It's, you know, I've tried other things before that as well and it's something will work. Yeah. let yourself try and how can they again just sort of tangibly when you say just start what are some of the things that you think are early steps that people could could take without having to quit their job that would give them just even that the the baby steps 
just yeah easy just find like for me it was the patterns they didn't take much effort and I just put them online and people started to buy them um even just starting social media pages just to see if your idea will take it's yeah you know it doesn't take a lot to you know find out find out what will work Mm. yeah yeah you you just gotta start (laughs) yes because if you don't start you're never gonna get there exactly you don't wherever there is yeah you can't just keep saying what is you know Mm. another question that I didn't ask that I'm curious about is uh, what sort of support did you seek out that you think has made the biggest difference for you in creating this transition definitely the support of my life coach Mm -hmm. um I was never ever studying again it took me seven years to get my first degree and then the work that I did with her allowed me I didn't I don't even know why I started my MBA I just did you know and I got that in 14 months (laughs) online study so the life coach definitely was my biggest biggest investment and best choice that I made because otherwise I think I'd still be going round and round in circles getting miserable and then happy <laughs> yes yeah. um and then as I like even though I had my the MBA still getting a business mentor to help me with that as well has helped but yeah and I mean I've got the support of my family as well they you know allowed me the space so but yeah the biggest help was definitely my life coach who helped me see reason with things yes and that comes back to your point from earlier about giving yourself the space to allow the ideas to come because sometimes when we're just left to our own devices you can have the thoughts and all the feelings but you're just sort of spinning them around in your head and not making any progress and sometimes we actually need to have a conversation with someone who's outside of our lives who's who's not a family member who can love us and want us to be happy but they can also sometimes be a, a handbrake because they don't necessarily want you to change or they're, they're yeah. scared for you uh, and so I think that's where sometimes talking with a coach or a mentor someone that's outside of your circumstances can help you have the space because you have an appointment you are talking with this person about you which is also yeah. rare that we would give ourselves the opportunity to have time that is dedicated to you talking about you and exploring what's most important to you, what's going on for you. And it's not from a counselling perspective. It's actually about where you're at now, where you want to get to. That can be incredibly empowering because you're making it important enough to explore. And I think that sometimes we try and skip too far ahead. We We just look at, or what's the next job going to be that I'll be happy in? Or what's, what is the business where I'm going to make enough money instead of going internal first to kind of go, well, hang on, who am I? Who am I now? You know, because life stages can create change for people too about what's important to them. So I think yeah. sometimes having those appointments with a coach externally can help you to give yourself that time that won't magically appear otherwise yeah Um, yeah and you're not likely to make the time for yourself you know you can journal all you like but it's it's having that person that can also call truths out to you as well because 
you know, it's very easy to keep telling yourself the same story, but to have that challenged yes. to make you reconsider your thinking, mm-hmm. you know, even for me around the whole finance thing now, it's, you know, someone that can never make money, someone that can, you know, will always have debt. Well, no, that's not how it's going to be. You can, and having that person that can help you reflect and redirect your thinking mm-hmm. to better choices. Yep. Um, you know, it's definitely valuable. Yes, it's a really powerful thing. And I think I'm glad that coaching as a profession has come a long way since I did my coach training over 10 years ago where back in that day it was quite an unknown and people didn't really understand what it was about or who it was for and whereas now I think more and more people are getting a bit savvy about well actually if I want to create a life and a, and a work life that I thrive in, that I feel like I'm adding value, then coaching potentially can be a great way to help me get clarity around what that looks like and then the accountability yep. to make some things happen. So I think that's great. Is there anything also that you wish that you knew or did sooner in your business? Um, I think I just allow that it, can be a business uh-huh yeah because I you know and actually focus on it because I kind of just let it carry along in the sidelines whereas you know I lost a fair bit of time not building it because right. I didn't think it could become something mm-hmm. so yeah I think that's yeah not taking it seriously soon enough probably yeah ah oh, the beauty of hindsight yeah, it's always there. <laughs> yeah. And what's next for you, do you think? What's the next evolution? We, we're in 2020. It's a, a brand new decade. Have you got ideas yet of what's next for you? Yes, quitting. <laughs> I'm looking. I've actually started a countdown for when I want to be in a position to be able to hand in my notice so that I can just focus on my business. Um it may or may not become a reality when I choose, but I do believe that it will become that reality. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, for me, because at the very start of this decade, my, you know, as I said at the start, my youngest just turned 18. So I've got a decade with our little children. So yeah. it's a, it's, was nicely timed, actually. Yeah, well done, you. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I <laughs> it's like you planned <laughs> this I all planned along. Planned children in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. And I think it's great that you're going to, I guess, hone in your focus, whether it happens or it, it doesn't happen, of allowing yourself to build the business so that it gives you the choice as yeah. to whether you will resign from that job to focus purely on the business or not purely the decision for you to put that goal out there is going to bring a different kind of energy and priority to the business than if you just sort of let it tick along in the sidelines doing whatever it's going to do it just I think up levels your uh, the amount of attention that you give it yeah and I think because I yeah because if I look at the last year as opposed to this year I made some steps Mm -hmm. but I think still in the back of my mind last year was you know, I've still got this job. 
Yes. So it's, you know, there's still that support net, you know, that safety net. If, you know, it does fail, it's still okay. Whereas now I don't want the business to fail. I want the business to grow. So my energy has changed and, you know, my focus has changed and it's, you know, there'll be less of allowing work to interfere what I need to do with the clubhouse as opposed to, oh, work's the priority. Yeah, and I think that will be so interesting to see how that shifts your approach through this year of mm-hmm. and not saying you know you still have the job so you have to do and deliver on what what, what the job yes you still have to do that just so you know you do have to still do yeah. that while you're there however you looking at your business as well this is a whole nother job and I have to bring the same level of sense of urgency priority boundaries to that business as I yeah. do my other and just in you know creating those boundaries so work that starts from your employed role that encroaches on after hours time there has to be boundaries around that because otherwise it's eating into your uh, business time so I think that can be a really great thing to just shift the way that you look at the business from oh this is a a fun little hobby I do on the side to actually this is a a business venture and I have a role in the business or probably multiple roles in the business to fulfill on and I have to make that important enough to do and to bring that kind of vibe and energy to it I think just the only thing that can happen is that the business will grow because of that extra energy and attention yeah and I mean it's very easy for work to interfere with my business time because I do work with people from the US and Europe so while (laughs) I'm in the office you know, eight till four, nine till five, they're not. <laughs> they're yes. sleeping then. Yep. So there are times. So it takes a lot of discipline to, you know, not check my phone for e- emails and responses and, you know, consider when I schedule meetings and things outside of the mm-hmm. office hours mm-hmm. so that my business can be my priority. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I wish you all the best in growing your business this year and beyond and I can't wait to see what the next evolution is of of your transition from full-time role and side business as you move more towards creating that sense of choice about whether you decide to pull the cord and and focus on the business full-time very exciting I know I'm excited too thank you awesome and thank you so much (laughs) I think that's a, a standard combination Uh, it means that you're totally on the right track. Yep, definitely. (laughs) And thank you so much for sharing so openly about your situation and your process because I'm sure that it will have given some great valuable insight to other people listening. So thank you so much. You're most welcome. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that podcast interview and got some great tips that you can apply to your own situation. And if you are someone who is curious about potentially transitioning to work for yourself one day, I would love for you to come and join the private Facebook group where we have more conversations with other like-minded women who are at various stages of working for themselves. And you can come and join us there. The group is called Career Change, Start and Grow Your Own Business. So just go to Facebook, search for Career Change, Start and Grow Your Own Business, request to join and we will see you there. Thank you for listening and have a great week.